0: Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. We've been in a series on the prophetic names of Jesus, the Messiah. 700 years before he ever got to planet Earth, God, through the prophets, described what he would be like with some different names. They would describe an attribute of this God we serve, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we began looking at it from Isaiah chapter 9. So I'll go there and read it again Isaiah 9, verse 6. For for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So, two women stopped in front of a retail store window at Christmas, and in the midst of all the retail merchandise was a little nativity scene. And one woman remarked to the other, she says, well, what do you know? Even the church is trying to hone in on Christmas. Like, duh, you know, in popular culture, Christmas is about trees and decoration and carol singing, gift-giving, family. But at its very core, it's very much theological that God became a man. That is the main emphasis. God became flesh. He incarnated himself into flesh so you could know what he was like. If I wanted to have a ministry to roaches, I'd have to become a roach. I'd have to learn roach language. I'd have to have roach attributes. And I'd have to think like a roach in order to talk to roaches. So God reduced himself to a human form so we could know what he was like. Touch him, see him, listen to him, and and watch what he does. Right? So he became a man. He limited himself voluntarily so he could reach you and I. And so you and I couldn't say, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it feels like. And the Bible says he was tempted in all forms like as you, but without sin. So he does know what it's like to be alone, to be rejected, to be betrayed, to suffer innocently for the guilty. He knows, so don't even try to go there. So in these passages in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, and many other places in the New Testament, But several places in the Old as well, one of the names, which is today's text, we looked at last week, which was Wonderful Counselor. This long promised Messiah, the New Testament said, would have four titles which would describe pretty much his character and his attributes and what he would be like. So last Sunday morning, we looked at the first, Wonderful Counselor. And that word wonderful probably today would be awesome, spectacular. Oh my God, can you believe that? That's how we would respond. Don't forget your King James Bible was written in 1611 and a Victorian culture. So it, we don't actually talk that way. The, thou, and the, correct? Now you can if you're 400 years old, you can. <laughs> Otherwise, you might want to upgrade just a little bit. So today we come to the second name in Isaiah's descriptive messianic prophecy, that the Messiah would be called Mighty God. That name tells us two important things about Jesus with some challenging implications. Number one, Messiah would be God. Yes, he would. Not like God, he would be God. The messianic, uh, the, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, always was, now is, and always will be fully God. God in all his wisdom, power, and might. He's God in all of his infinite goodness, grace, and mercy. He's the God who has no beginning and no end of days. He existed from eternity past. He will exist into eternity in the future. The God who created the universe with its billions of galaxies. Wrap your head around that. Each containing billions of stars, who names them and calls them one by one, and who even now sustains all of his creation by his power. I can't even remember my children's birthday often. And God's got billions of stars and he knows them all by name. Not one is missing. Scripture says Jesus Christ is that God. Now that fact that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh is familiar to most church going Christians, but to the Jewish people, they didn't understand it, nor did they understand it in the time of Isaiah, nor in Jesus day. Although it was alluded to in some Old Testament scriptures, they just had no concept of a trinity, a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. They couldn't wrap their head around that. So when Jesus came and began to teach with authority and do miracles and spoke of himself as being one with God, they reacted violently. They even tried to kill him for committing blasphemy, they said. Let me show you. This is John chapter 10. John 10, verse 30 through 33, Jesus said, I and my father are one. Now you can't, I don't know how you're going to wiggle around that. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and the father are one. He's claiming to be fully God, okay? Then the Jews took up stones to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those do you stone me? And the Jews answered him saying, we don't stone you for a good work, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. So Christ has, and he has all the power of God's strength, all of God's ability, all of God's might, because he was and is fully God. So I'm going somewhere with this, but it's important you catch it. So whatever God can do, Jesus can do, because he's God. If he's done it before, he'll do it again and he'll do it for you. If you've seen me, you've seen the father, John 14, verse 9. By the way, sometimes you have a bad father image. Next week, we talk about everlasting father and all the damage to a home when a father is not present. I'll I'll show that to you. But statistics in psychology say that our image of God is largely shaped by our image of our earthly father. And in many cases, that's bad. So we have a view of God that He's mean, He's judgmental, He's a strict uh, disciplinarian, uh, rigid on rule keeping. All these ideas that He's out to get me every day with a little clipboard, and if I mess up, it's it's over for me. Nothing could be further from the truth, and that's why Jesus said, "Now if you watch me deal with people, marginalized people, wealthy people, powerful people, nobody people, sick people, demonized people, if you've watched me." Now you know how daddy, now you know how the father is. If you like me, and most people do, you're gonna love the father because we're one. I'm just giving you an earthly example you can touch and see and hear and feel so you know what dad's like, right? That's a good thing. So if you fall in love with Jesus, you have no problem with God the father, none at all. So it's important to remind ourselves of that because intellectually we understand the father, the son and the Holy Spirit have the same attributes that each one is equally omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, and all the other omnis you can think of. Yet in practice, because they have a different role in salvation, we often forget it. We (coughs) we think of God the Father as being the strong, forceful one, the creator, the warrior, the judge. We think of Christ as being kind, gentle, compassionate, the good shepherd, the healer, the savior, And we think of the Holy Spirit as being the mysterious, mystical one, the inner voice, the counselor, the guide. But in fact, every one of the members of the Godhead is all of those things because there's only one God. God the Father is loving and caring, just like the Holy Spirit is. God the Son, Jesus, is powerful and mighty, just as the Holy Spirit is. They are all one in being and essence, so they all possess equally each of the divine attributes, and since each one is fully God in the Godhead, you can pray to any one of them. You can talk at any time to any one of them, and the other one is not jealous. I can talk to the Holy Spirit. I can talk to Jesus. I can talk to the Father, and I interchangeably do probably throughout the day because they're equal. Nobody's jealous of anybody in the Godhead. They're one. So don't get hung up with these religious people that uh, you have to select certain ones and I don't want to offend this one. You can't. They're one. If I praise the Holy Spirit, I'm praising God. If I praise Jesus, I'm praising God. If I praise God the Father, I'm praising Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit because they're one. Second, this title in Isaiah 9, 6 says that God the Messiah would not only be God, he would be the mighty God. And that's the one we look at today. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament that God the Father has unlimited power. How would you like to get some of that? Unlimited power. I mean, many times he says, anything too hard for me? I don't think so. I reckon I can take care of your refrigerator. I reckon I can put you in a job placement. Nothing's too hard for me. I've never been intimidated yet. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, It says, "Ah, Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and stretched out arm. And there is absolutely nothing too hard for you. I don't know what you're facing, but I'm telling you, it ain't too hard for God. He's not backed off saying, my God, I don't know what to do. I'm terrified too, Judy. It's awful, isn't it? Yeah. What are we going to do? I know you're scared, sweetheart. I'm scared too. That's how some people think of God. Nothing intimidates him. When you wrap your head around who he is, this mighty God, all of a sudden you may be in a mess, but you've got someone in that mess with you who holds all power and all authority. And I have never had a hopeless day. There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Stop talking like that. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35 tells us And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he, God, does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? In other words, there are scores of similar verses scattered throughout the Bible. And if you hear those verses, I hope you walk away with this one. Nothing is too hard for you. Well, the doctor said, I don't care what the doctor said. Luke was a physician, but he didn't trump Jesus. And Jesus stepped in when many doctors and physicians couldn't make a a healing happened for this precious lady who said, well, I'm just going to grab his jacket. And if I can grab that, I reckon something good will happen. And boy, something did happen. There was just nothing he couldn't reverse. He could make lions lay down and not eat you if they threw you in a lion's den. And don't forget, they starved them before they threw you in. So Daniel was going to be a MacDaniel sandwich, you know, and <laughs> God shut them out. I mean, God can open the Red Sea. He can, he can move the sun back 10 degrees as he did. He, can, for Joshua, can make it stand still. Now, you don't throw that stuff around every day all the time. I'm aware of it, but it's to wrap your head around how mighty our God is. That nothing intimidates him. And as long as I'm breathing and God's in heaven, I've got a shot at a breakthrough, a shot at reversing this thing and getting through it. So he says, nothing's too hard for you, God. You do whatever you please. Yes, he can. You know, you can't invite God in to be a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or a Republican or a Democrat. When God Almighty shows up, he just comes in combat boots like he is. He doesn't care if he offends you or not. Well, that's not the way we did it. You go through the Bible and Jesus never did it the way they did it. He upset everybody, including his family. So don't get too comfortable. See, God, your power is Unlimited. You know, if you want to do something, you just do it. There's no force that can resist you, no enemy who can succeed in opposing your will. You are sovereign over all. So it's no wonder Christians like to sing that old classic by Chris Tomlin Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above in wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God, and He is. Or Chris Tomlin's song, Our God, and the chorus says, uh, Was it the bridge? I never get them right. Our God is creator. Our God is stronger. God is higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? That's a good song to sing because it tells you, you can't stop this God. You can't muzzle him. You can't tame him down. He's on, like on steroids, steroids. to a 12th degree. I mean, we love to sing songs like that because they encourage us and profess the God we love and serve is a mighty God. Now, those passages we just read from the Old Testament about God the Father can also be said about God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah that Isaiah prophesied about. Jesus possesses unlimited power as well because he also is fully God. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Philippians 3, verse 21. He, speaking of Jesus, is able even to subdue all things unto himself. In the same way that God the Father possesses all might and all power, Jesus Christ, also the Son, possesses all power and all might. There is no limit to his power. Christ even has power over the created world, the physical universe, just like God the Father does. In Matthew 8, 28, we looked at it last week. The disciples and Jesus are in a boat during a great storm. It threatened to destroy them. They're all freaking out. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And when they woke him up and told him about the danger like he didn't know, he just with one word rebuked the wind and rebuked the sea, and it obeyed him and stopped. Did you? I can't go around as a spiritual meteorologist stopping a tornado or something, but Jesus spoke to it and I guarantee you, I'd speak to it too if it was coming towards me. In Jesus' name, I would speak to it. We're told to speak to our problems. We're told to declare it. Every time Jesus faced a problem, he quoted scripture. He attacked it with our sword of the spirit. That's the only offensive attack weapon you've got. That's Everything else is for defense. It, only one attack weapon, and it's not an AK-47 uh, or uh, an AR-15. It's God's Word. It's alive. It's powerful. Sling it around. Sling it around. Pull the pin on that baby and throw it. The enemy knows the Scripture better than you. So you throw it at him and at that circumstance and do it on a regular basis. See, they marveled at Jesus' power saying, holy cow. Now, they didn't say holy cow, but I would have. I said, what manner of human being is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? See, they're getting a little taste of what Jesus can do, and I want you to get it. So what manner of man is this? I'll tell you what kind, the kind who is addressed as mighty God. Now, God's power is absolute and overpowering in every sphere of life, but I'd like us to focus our thoughts in the next few minutes on his power in our lives and in our church. The thing I want to leave you with this morning is the truth that this power is literally available to us. That the power which brought the world into existence, which now upholds and sustains it, the power that raises up kings and world leaders and brings them down again, the power that conquered death, hell, and the grave that brought Jesus' dead body back to life, that same power, that same Holy Spirit is available to us to work in and through our lives by His Holy Spirit. Make friends with the Holy Spirit. He's God's earthly representative to administer all the benefits He purchased at the cross for you on earth. Jesus back in heaven, He's at the right hand of the Father. Well, who's on earth? Who's my defense attorney? The Holy Spirit. Who is the one who can give me what Jesus purchased for me as the administrator of his last will and testament? The Holy Spirit. Make friends with the Holy Spirit. Just because somebody's weird or got, you met a weirdo or something, don't you ever throw out truth with, with the bathwash. It's true. I need the Holy Spirit. I need his power to love. I need his power to break a habit. I need his power to overcome a certain problem I'm facing. I need him to become the person he wants me to be. My flesh can't do it. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And every believer has access to the Holy Spirit. Don't make him weird. He's the one been assigned to take care of you talk to him, thank him, ask him for that power. You're going to pray for somebody ill. Pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not so you can be weird. It's so God can establish his covenant and do what he purchased at the cross for us to individuals. God loves people. He wants them. He said, if your son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Listen to Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Romans Chapter 15, verse 13, Paul says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in Ephesians 3, verse 16, it says that he, Jesus, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Holy Spirit in your inner man. So how does Christ dwell in the hearts of all of us who are believers through his Holy Spirit. And his spirit is a spirit of power and might, power to love even the unlovely, even somebody who didn't vote your way, power to forgive those we think are unworthy of our forgiveness, power to trust even in your darkest hour that God will come through and that he's with you, power over fear, addiction, anger, worry, lust, Guilt, power to persevere in the middle of a struggle, suffering, and mistreatment. Keep on keeping on. Power to overcome discouragement and disappointment. Power that can cleanse you from sin even when it has a huge grip on your life. It seems you can't ever break free, but the power of the Holy Spirit can break you free. Power to give us hope and joy in the midst of a very difficult heartbreak. Power to replace grumbling and complaining with gratitude and thanksgiving. So in short, power to accomplish lasting change in our lives to make us more like Christ and to give us the abundant life he promised. Now that sounds good to me. Do you want that kind of power? See, don't answer too quick because when God enters your life in power, sometimes he disrupts it. Sometimes it doesn't look like what you expected. Look with me in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 through 34. And when Jesus came to the other side of the country, to the Gadarenes, there met him. There met him out of the cemetery, two demon-possessed men. They were coming up out out of the cemetery, the tombs. They were exceedingly fierce so that no man could pass that way. And behold, they cried out when they saw Jesus, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, son of God? See, even the demons are very spiritual. They are doctrinally correct. They know Jesus is the almighty, unlimited power, son of the living God, and they're terrified of him. That's why you want to use that name often, intimidate him. So they said, we know who you are. Have you come here to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from these two guys, a large herd of pigs feeding. So the demons begged Jesus, saying, If you cast us out, allow us to go away to the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. And when they had come out of these men, they went into the herd of pigs. And a whole herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And the herdsmen who were watching this ran, and they went their way into the city and told everything that had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their regions, leave their church. They didn't like this Jesus. Jesus had just performed a great miracle He had cast demons out of two violent men who were naked in the tombs harassing people and he had released them from their torment. And the Bible in another place of the same account says they were seated at the foot of Jesus, fully clothed, they weren't naked now, and in their right mind. And God can do that for you. Put you in your right mind, sound mind. So how did the people react watching this? I mean, weren't they amazed and happy and thrilled? These guys are getting free. Didn't they ask Jesus, hey, hang out here, stay with us, teach us something, perhaps do a few more miracles? Nope, not at all. They were terrified, and they requested that he go and do his work somewhere else. See, why the fear? The desire to be rid of him as quick as possible. How come? It scared them. They had never seen that kind of power. They didn't know what he might do next. So a predictable Messiah, a wise teacher, eh, we can live with that. Even a healer. You know, we can handle somebody who can occasionally cure an epileptic seizure or open the eyes of someone blind. But this, someone who has power over demons, whose word could send a herd of pigs stampeding into the ocean, they weren't prepared for kind of that. And by the way, you should not be intimidated by demons. They're real. They're not ghosts they're spirits. They're demonic spirits. And Jesus, they're here, believe me, in America. They all don't live in Africa or someplace you thought. They go to church every Sunday. They control how people think, how people feel. They affect violence. They affect rage. They, they have perverted spirits. They have spirits of infirmity. So sometimes the problem we face, not always, is a demonic spirit use that. Well, Rick, how do you know? I don't know always. I just address it. If it's there, I'm going to point it out and put the light on it and rebuke it. If it's not, I haven't lost a thing. So don't get, don't get away from the fact that these spirits travel in family lines. They're called familial spirits as well. Suicide can run in family lines. Breast cancer can run in family lines. Addictions, unemployment can run through the family line, and you can see it. Premature death, can run in lines. We've all heard of the Kennedy curse. It's there. It's demonic. But when you accept Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin for you. And he who had no curse became a curse for you that you might inherit the blessings of Abraham. So he's taken whatever curse I've inherited in my family line on himself on the cross. And now I'm a seed of Abraham spiritually. And I have a right to promotion, possession, and dominion over all my adversaries, just like Abraham. I inherit that through faith in Jesus. Use it or lose it. I want to sling that authority around when the enemy attacks your home, your health, your finances, your children, your career, your job, whatever it may be, your mind, your anxiety, your depression. Don't stay medicated. Perhaps there is a spirit behind it that's tormenting you if it's been a long time. Do something besides medicate use God's Word as really a good antibiotic, and fight back. I've been doing this for years, folks. I knew what it was without the Holy Spirit. I know what it is with the Holy Spirit, and it's a whole lot better. But Jesus did not match their expectation, and they were terrified of what else he might do. Now, maybe you're asking, Rick, where are you going with this? Well, let me ask you a question. When God starts working in your life, how do you respond? Do you say, Yes, Lord, not my will, thy will be done. Do with me whatever you want. Or if he needles you in an area you're not too happy about him messing with, do you say, Jesus, no offense, but could you do your work somewhere else? You see, when we invite Jesus into our life, he doesn't always follow our plan. You may say, God, I'd really like you to work on my shyness. I hear God saying, shyness? Maybe that ain't your problem let me see, why don't we work first on your critical judgmental spirit? And let's talk about uh, your thought life. And then let's talk about your deceptiveness and then examine how you spend your time. And while we're at it, your church attendance, your giving and your service in your church. And you say, whoa, wait a minute. I, I hadn't bargained on dealing with all that. I just wanted to deal with my shyness. I like these other things just the way they are. Thank you very much. And God responds, well, I'm not really asking for your permission. I'm God, right? And you're here to obey me. I'm not here to obey you. And off you go if you obey on a journey towards greater obedience, ultimately greater joy and greater peace. But not necessarily the journey you thought or you planned on or you had mapped out. You know, since it's Christmas, Think about Joseph and Mary as a wonderful couple, and their agenda was to have a typical marriage and someday have a typical family. That's all. They had nothing in their mind about what happened. But God had a different agenda for them. So God impregnates Mary with God the Son before she and Joseph came together in marriage or sex. And Joseph was never asked by God if he wanted his wife to have a virgin birth. God just informed him. He did it in a dream. They had their own plans and agenda, but God had a different one, one infinitely more difficult, but infinitely more rewarding. Uh, I can tell you uh, my, my call is, is here. Yours may be somewhere else, but this is not what I planned for Ricky G. No, sir. This is not what I thought From high school to college to aviation, this is not what I planned. I wanted to love Jesus. I wanted to be a giver, and I did all that. But I thought, now, I'm doing all that good stuff. Leave me alone. Let me run my life my way. Little Frank Sinatra there. I want to do it my way. Yeah, And I'm talking to a bunch of you in here, hard-headed too, doing it your way too. And you're terrified to say, not my will, thy will be done. And I never dreamed I would end up doing this. And I felt least qualified to do it as well. I wanted to be flying a Gulfstream uh, G7 and uh, import-export with maybe a condo in Monte Carlo, a nice yacht. Nothing fancy, just a nice yacht. And I wanted to be a big giver to Jesus and ministry. And God said, really? Well, I got a plan for you, old boy. And it's going to be way short of what you just said, but it'll be more impactful. So I'm telling you, the same is true for you. You just don't know. But I know it's good. God has an agenda. He says, my plans for you are good, not evil. I won't do you harm. I want to prosper you and give you a hope, a future. And so sometimes I don't know what's going on. Sometimes you don't know what's happening. What's going on in my life? but i know god has a plan for my life and he's working it behind the scenes for my good and his glory and so what's happening is god's power is working to change you in your life to make me more like christ and i consider myself somewhat widely read but i went through almost all my life having never read cs lewis's the chronicles of narnia i've heard about it but never read it but in the fourth book in that series the silver chair There's a girl. She's named Jill, and she walks into an opening in the forest. She's very thirsty, and not far away she sees a stream of cool, clear, running water. But instead of rushing forward to drink, she hesitates and draws back in fear because lying by that stream is this huge lion named Aslan, who represents in C.S. Lewis's novel as Jesus Christ. And as she ponders what to do, he speaks. Are you not thirsty? said the lion. Why, I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do? said Jill. The lion answered his only way by a look and a low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move for her convenience. Well, The delicious rippling noise of that stream was driving her near frantic. So will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come to drink, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had come a step closer. Do you eat girls, she said. Oh, I've swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. Now, he didn't say it as if he were boasting or sorry or angry. He just said it. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh, dear, said Jill, coming another step closer. I suppose I need to go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. So C.S. Lewis captures a key Bible truth in this phrase, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and there ain't no other stream, folks. There's no other source of life, none. There is no other way to God than through Jesus, the lion. But here's the catch. When we give ourselves to him, he makes no promise not to do things to us. In fact, we can be sure he will. Yeah, he'll soothe our thirst, give us eternal life, but what else may he do? Nobody knows. You can't tell. But he will do what's best for you and for his kingdom. I have to believe that. He's not a tame lion. He's not a safe God. We can't control him, but he's good. He's very, very good, and he can be trusted. So the question is, will you put your trust in that Christ this morning? Maybe you've already trusted Jesus for salvation, but you're still holding back. You haven't opened up your life for him to change you and make you into what he wants you to be. Perhaps you're still holding back fearful of what he might ask you to do. I know I did for about three years. I thought this is going to get real dangerous. I want you to save me. I know I'm a sinner. I know you're a savior. La, 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 la. But I don't know if I want to pray not my will. Thy will be done. I just was a little bit nervous about it. And I think there's probably a lot of people watching online and sitting in this church who are in the same place. You know, you're determined to hold on to your own life, your own will, or hold on to some sin you count real dear. Now, if that's the case, then I urge you, turn your life completely over to Jesus. You know, just give yourself to him totally. Whatever he wants you to do, you just say, with your help, I'll do it. And why don't you pray asking him to do whatever he wants to do in your life? He may shock you, absolutely stun you, and everybody else that knows you. Finally, let me ask this. Do you want to see that kind of unlimited power in our church? Because I do. Do you want to see the power of God through his Holy Spirit transforming lives, calling lost people to himself, building fellowship, reconciling relationships, making this church a refuge, a lighthouse, a witness, maybe with some people you might not like or approve of, because when he steps in and starts doing what he does, he'll shake up status quo, he'll shake up the comfortable, and it'll be different than you thought or expected. When Jesus showed up, he didn't meet any expectation of the religious people, none, not even his family. Why do you think that if he did show up in a major way, it wouldn't shake us up? a little bit but if he's involved in it i'm game i like a little adventure i like to live on the edge a little bit and i like jesus occasionally to kind of shake it up so do you want to see us growing in numbers but also spiritual depth and influence and impact for jesus do you want to see the presence and power of the holy spirit maybe in our worship our fellowship our witness then pray that Jesus would do whatever he wants in our church and ask God what he wants you to do, to serve in our church and support it and uphold it. Pray that God would continue to bless us with a spirit of unity and a spirit of love. Pray that God would do things in our midst that go beyond anything we could have asked for or ever imagined, wonderful things, exciting things, amazing things, and then pray, Lord, where do I fit in your plan for Summit? Where can I serve? How can I be used? What can I do to minister to other people? What can I do to strengthen others, to build up others? And then get busy doing simply what God tells you to do. And you have no idea where you'll end up. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. FOLLOW ME BY VISITING THE LINKS IN THE DESCRIPTION. I'M PRAYING TODAY THAT GOD RICHLY BLESSES YOU THIS ENTIRE WEEK.